The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 93 The Interrogation 1877 April 22nd Paris, France I was silent as Penelope dressed me for the day. My mother was dead, and somehow I could not think past that thought. My mother was dead. My father was to blame. Theseus was dead. I killed him myself. Was I wrong? Now, half a world away, I regretted everything. I was so far from home. My mother was dead. My father was to blame, and the world had changed. Penelope held my hand as she led me to the doctor's office for my interrogation. Pollux, with his pen and notebook in hand, began his quiz for the day. Helen, what day is it? He asked. I didn't answer. I just stared out the window. I saw a bird in the distance. It was free. It could fly where it wanted to. A bird, penniless, without clothes, without a name of its own. And yet, it had something I did not. It was free. Helen, did you hear me? What day is it? Pollux asked again. But I just watched the bird. I could not answer him. Hmm. It's okay. We'll continue. Tell me. Who is the President of the United States? He asked patiently. I did not answer. I didn't care. My mother was dead. My father was to blame. I was in exile, possibly never to return. Who cared who the President of the United States was? Helen, answer this one, and I will let you have a candy. What is your name? He asked. He was staring into my eyes. I didn't look at him, even though he filled my vision. I looked past him. That bird has no name. It didn't matter what my name was. Would I die like my mother? Will my father one day pay this man to stop my heart with drugs from his apothecary? What name would matter when Hades returns for me? Pollux made several notes in his notebook, then patted me on the head and walked back to sit behind his desk. He looked at Penelope, deeply concerned. What happened since yesterday? What do you mean? Penelope asked. Yesterday, she was here. She was present. Yesterday, she answered the questions, even though she didn't speak to answer them. Today, she's gone. I don't even know if she hears the questions. He took a rubber ball out of his desk. He threw it across the office. It bounced off the wall and rolled behind a bookshelf. She didn't see that, she didn't watch it, and it doesn't concern her now. Something happened yesterday, and now she has gone from broken to completely shattered. Do you know what it was? We received news that her mother has passed. I have not heard anything. Well, I have friends in the Pinkertons. I'm sure official word will come from the family soon. Penelope lied to hide her divine connection. And you told her? No. She overheard it. It was not my intention to inform her. Needless to say, this is a step backwards. 
She's not getting better. I will speak with the headmaster. Something more drastic may be necessary. There is nothing psychological I can do for her in this state. If she does not at least regain the ability to talk, we may need to look for some surgical options. You're going to cut into her brain? There has been some success in the field. And how many failures? I understand your concerns, but you must understand mine. If there's nothing we can do in one area, we must try another. Give me time. She was getting better. She was doing better. Give me time to work with her and I'll find her voice. Okay. I will hold back speaking with the headmaster until after our session tomorrow. But if she has not improved, we will see what else can be done. One day? It may take longer than that. One day is all I can give you in good conscience without looking like I was hiding information from him. If I tell him a week from now, he will question me as to why I waited so long. If I tell him tomorrow, it will only seem as if I was being cautious so that I may test my results. I can give you one day, but that is all. If she does not improve tomorrow, we will begin discussing other options. All right. I understand. Don't speak of this. I'll take my day. We'll see you tomorrow. Penelope stood from her chair, picked me up in her arms, but did not set me on the ground. She carried me from the doctor's office. Once, back in my room, she set me in my bed and tucked me in. It was still early in the day, but I didn't feel like moving. I, I didn't feel like going anywhere. So if I was in bed, at least I was comfortable. She closed the curtains, darkening the room in the bright daylight. She quietly walked out of the room, closed the door behind her, and locked it. Penelope found Odysseus clearing out one of the old keg rooms. He was rolling out the empty kegs and stacked them on the outside of the small barn. What's this for? Penelope asked. Well, until we returned to New York, I thought I would make this our home. It's going to take some time, but... Once the empty kegs are outside, should be plenty of room for us. I can probably even make a room for Helen if you'd like. What are you going to do with the full kegs? She asked. He smiled. If they're still good, no need to let them go to waste. You're not going to become a drunk on me, are you? <laughs> no, no, but I'm sure we can find a reason to celebrate on occasion. He pulled her close to him and kissed her. She took a step back. Oh, no. Something has gone wrong. Tell me about it. We may need to leave in a hurry. Can you make a plan for that? Of course. But why don't you tell me the problem first? Then I'll have all the facts and can make a proper plan. If Helen doesn't talk by tomorrow, they're going to look into... surgical options. Surgical? They're going to open up her head? How could that possibly help? It won't. It'll probably kill her. I can't let that happen. She was given to me to protect, and I can't let them kill her. Well, why isn't she talking? The doctor says she's lost her sense of self. She doesn't care any more about anything. So, you have until tomorrow. You have one day. And I've seen you work miracles in one day. Odysseus smiled and kissed her. She smiled. You're sweet. And you have a lot of faith in me. But... How do I cure everything that's happened? I've been trying to help her for months, and now I have to do it all at once? It sounds to me like you don't need her cured. 
You need her talking. Those are two different things. Odysseus sat down on the empty keg. He took a glass of wine he had near him and sipped it. He thought for a moment, then spoke. She has lost her sense of self. Well then, if she can't remember who she is, tell her. Remind her who she is and why she needs to talk. Can't be. It can't be that simple. My love, you're truly a genius, even if you don't know why. <laughs> I know why. It's because I married you. Now, before you go back, would you like a glass of wine? Is it good? Yes, it's very, very good. Odysseus answered. Standing, he walked toward her and held her in his arms. Penelope lay her head on his shoulders. She was so weary, and in his arms she found the strength and energy to continue. His faith in her meant everything. One day, she thought. It seemed impossible, but impossible things were her job. She could do the impossible. Penelope came back into my room, carrying her carpet bag. She drew the curtains and opened up the windows. She pulled her chair over to sit next to the bed. She sat down. Are you awake? She asked me. I shook my head yes, but I didn't get out of bed or clear the blankets. Helen, I'd like to tell you a story, but there are two ways I can tell this story. Which would you prefer? I can tell you the story the way it's recorded, in the myths and the legends, the way it's written down in books. Or I can tell you the story the way I heard it from my goddess. I looked at her. I didn't understand. And the question must have been obvious on my face, because she continued answering me. The difference is a matter of fantasy or truth. Would you like to hear the truth? At first I didn't answer. Then I shook my head no. I had had enough of the truth. I had enough of reality. The truth was too ugly to look at anymore. My life was too dark to live in. The myth, then. She opened her carpet bag and pulled from it a book. On its cover, it said, The Trojan War. She opened the first page, took a deep breath, and then said to me, This is the story of a war that happened 3,000 years ago. It begins in the city of Troy with the birth of a prince named Paris. Then she read to me. She told me the story for the first time. Paris. My Paris described to me in detail. A prince, abandoned, turned shepherd, smart and witty, favored by the goddess Aphrodite. She gave him a gift the most beautiful woman in the world. I tried to picture her, my ancient namesake. I tried to imagine what she could look like 3,000 years ago. I wanted so much to be like her, desired by all who knew her, cherished by a man who would give up anything for her. Penelope continued. She told me of Agamemnon and Menelaus. She described Achilles and Odysseus. She told me the myth as she read from her book, then she stopped, the story still unfinished. Again, she took a deep breath. Helen, it's not a mistake you were named after this woman, because time runs in a circle. We live, we die, and then we come back to live again. We're given a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, to find a way to tell the story of our life the way we would like it to correct our failures, and to relive our triumphs. It was not a mistake you were named after Helen of Troy, because 3,000 years ago, you were Helen of Troy. 
This is who you once were, and now, once again, it's time to take up her mantle and be her. I sat up in bed. I looked at Penelope, tears running through my eyes. I am not that beautiful. I am just a girl. I told her through my tears. So was she. Sometimes it's all about reputation. She used the myth of the most beautiful woman in the world to her advantage or disadvantage, depending on how the story is told. But now it's time for you to tell the story the way you want to tell it. Helen was a Spartan and a queen. She was strong and beautiful and taught how to fight and defend herself. They did not give you these weapons, but what you do have is a voice. And that voice is a weapon you will need to change your tragedy into your triumph. You will need your voice to earn your freedom. Can you do that for me? Can you talk and answer questions? It's all a game. But if you lose this game, you will die. When the doctor asks you a question, remember, it's a game. And my voice is my weapon, she said as she touched my cheek gently with her hand. If I do this, will I meet Paris? I don't know. But I know that if you don't do it, you won't live long enough to find out. Okay. I will be Helen of Troy. Tell me more about her, I asked. Penelope picked up the book and continued to read. Pollux took a notebook off his desk. With a pencil in hand, he carried them over to me. I sat again on his examination table, and Penelope sat in the chair Pollux had supplied for her. I tried to remind myself what Penelope had taught me. My voice was a weapon, and this was a game. I have to answer the questions. I understood that, but I would do what I could not to answer them the way he wanted me to. This was my game. Okay, Helen. I need to ask you a series of questions. Please be sure to answer them to the best of your ability. There is no wrong answer, and if you don't know, just say so. He said calmly. What day is it? The 23rd, I said weakly. First point to Pollux. Of what? He asked in return. I didn't answer. I just stared at him, not understanding. The 23rd of what? He asked. That's what it is, isn't it? But what month is it? You didn't ask me what month it was. When I ask you what day it is, I'm asking you what is the date. Why didn't you just ask me what the date is, then? I held my head up, not letting him upset me. I thought to myself, what would a queen do? What would Helen do? All right. What is the date? It is the 23rd of April, 1877, isn't it? Yes. Very good. He made a note in his notebook. That was a tie. Penelope smiled. She was happy to see I was talking. There was something about Pollux that put me at ease. I appreciated his gentle voice. Now, who is the President of the United States? I don't remember. That's okay. It's Rutherford B. Hayes. Now, who is the President of the United States? What happened to Ulysses? What? Ulysses. The President of the United States. His name is Ulysses. I remember that. He didn't run again. As of January, the President has been Rutherford B. Hayes. But... 
What happened to him? Nothing happened to him. He's just not president anymore. Pollux looked confused. Oh. So, who is the president of the United States? He asked a third time. What kind of name is Rutherford? It doesn't sound like a real name. It sounds like the name you give a dog. I, d I don't know. American names always sound so strange to me anyways. I imagine it's the name President Hayes was given at birth. You should have changed it. Rutherford doesn't sound right. Okay, okay, we'll move on. He gave up. Point Helen. The score was 1-1. One, one. What is your name? Helen. I saw no way to dodge such a direct question. Helen what? He asked. Maybe there was still a way to win a point here. That's my name. What is your family name? Oh, that. That's my father's name, not mine. Your name is Helen Taggett. If you say so. You don't think that's true? It's probably true. I just don't think it fits me anymore. Would you prefer something else? No. I imagine it will do as good as any other name. Better than Rutherford. Who are you, then? I looked over at Penelope. She smiled at me and waved her hand as if it didn't matter whether I told him or not. I am Helen of Troy, I said to Pollux. This was the first time I've ever said it out loud. The first time I ever admitted what I had come to realize. Penelope was right. And more than that, this is who I wanted to be. The face that launched a thousand ships? He asked. That's me, I responded. He began to write in his notebook. Whatever he was writing, it was taking a while. And it was some time before he looked up again. The score was now 2-1. My advantage. You know, Helen of Troy, if she ever existed, died more than 3,000 years ago. How can you be her? Penelope said, if we wish, we always have the option of writing our story again. She said, I have been given the opportunity to start over. I have been given the opportunity to tell a new story. Who's Penelope? You know, Penelope. She's sitting right there. I pointed to Penelope, who smiled and shrugged her shoulders as Pollux looked at her in question. You mean Lucy? She said her real name is Penelope. She was the queen of Ithaca. Wife of Odysseus. Exactly. Odysseus is outside cleaning out one of the barns. Let me get this straight. Lucy told you that you are Helen of Troy, that she is Penelope, the wife of Odysseus, and that you have come back to life after 3,000 years so that you can retell your story. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly it. How does the story end? I don't know. It just started. Does that make you happy, being given this opportunity to live again? I am looking forward to the journey. I know it will be hard, but it'll be mine. Once again, Pollux took the time to write in his notebook. After several minutes, he looked up at me. I don't know how I did there. I feel like he may have won that exchange. Fine. Once again, we're tied. Two, two. I want to ask you some questions that will judge your hold on reality. Go ahead. Do you hear voices in your head? Isn't that where everybody hears them? No, I mean, do you hear voices that aren't there? Where are they? Nowhere. They don't exist. If they don't exist, how do I hear them? I'm sorry. I may be phrasing this incorrectly. Let me try again. Do you ever hear voices from people who aren't there? Which people? Anyone. 
anyone who's not here. Exactly. Are they out of the room? Are they in another building or maybe down the street? No, they don't exist. The people don't exist. Yes. But their voices exist. No, not exactly. The voices would exist only in your head. Penelope began to giggle, and I smiled at her. Pollux looked frustrated as he ran his hands through what was left of his hair. He made a note in his notebook and then looked back up at me. Score 3-2. Once again, I was winning. Do you ever see things that aren't there? You mean like the people? I asked. Honestly curious. Penelope laughed out loud, quickly covering her mouth to keep her from interrupting. (laughs) I'm sorry. I will stay quiet, she said, doing her best to hold back her laughter. But her smile was wide and it brought me joy. No, I mean, do you ever see things? And then when you go to touch them, they disappear or were never really there. He asked again patiently. I saw a staircase that wasn't there. I replied. Penelope looked startled, and then very subtly shook her head no. Where did you see a staircase that wasn't there? Mm, I don't know. I lied. Penelope didn't want me to say, so I struggled to hide the information I had let slip. It wasn't there, so I couldn't tell you. Damn, I think I screwed that one up. Okay, 3-3. I want to ask you one more question. And if the question makes you uncomfortable, or if you don't want to talk about it, just shake your head no, and I will give you a candy, and see you tomorrow. He looked at me, as if he was studying a map before he spoke, keeping his full attention focused on me and my reaction. He asked, Why did you kill the governor of New York? Somehow, the laughter had left the room, and Penelope hung her head a little. It was quiet, and I didn't know what to say. Penelope had told me my voice was my weapon, but somehow this question shut me up. I wanted to respond. I tried to think of it, but I couldn't. I knew I had killed him. I knew it was my fault, but I didn't know why, and I fought with myself not to look, not to think of it. I I shook my head no. That wasn't playing fair. Penelope took me back to my room, locked it and then returned to the doctor's office as he requested. He wanted to talk to her, and I knew something had gone wrong. Once seated, Penelope folded her arms in her hand and sat straight, waiting for the doctor to address her. The doctor opened his notebook, checked his notes one more time, and then sat back in his chair. What did you do? He asked. To answer that question, you're going to have to be a little more specific, she said. That. Right there. That's what you did. You know exactly what I'm speaking of, and yet you didn't answer the question. I'm your patient now? No, but if you're going to be my colleague, we need to be able to work together, and right now, we are not. I will not help you harm her. My single and only priority is Helen. The money her father is paying be damned. You, the headmaster, this school, I will burn it all down before I allow any of you to harm her in any way, shape, or form. You gave me an ultimatum. You said you needed her talking. If she talked, you could help her. Otherwise, you were going to cut into her brain. So, I got her talking. That was my first tactic. And you're lucky it worked, because my second tactic would not have been so kind. Penelope stood from her chair. I want to help her, but it doesn't help her to believe in delusions. 
What exactly did you teach her? Did you tell her she was Helen of Troy? Why? I didn't have time to restore her ego. Whatever there was of that little girl that was there six months ago before any of this happened was gone. She needed a new ego. And why not Helen of Troy? A Spartan, strong and powerful, a queen, beloved and beautiful. If she believes she's Helen of Troy, then she will fight when before she would have given up. Then she will yell when before she would have stayed silent. Delusions will not help her. She needs to understand reality. No one understands reality, not really. If she continues to believe in this delusion, she will continue to be combative. She won't work with me. She'll be like you were earlier. You're trying to work against me. You got Helen talking, and she was answering the questions. But she was doing everything she could not to answer them right. She was playing a game with me. I could tell. It's the same game you play when you avoid my questions. Did you teach her that? Of course I did. Why? Because she's a child, and children play games. That's what they do. It makes my job harder. I don't care. You said to get her talking, or you'd kill her. Not kill her. Just look into surgical options. Now who's playing word games? You said get her talking, and you could help her. So, help her. Or get out of my way and let me do it. I'm going to have to inform the headmaster about this. You do what you feel is necessary. And you pray that I don't. Penelope walked out of his office and slammed the door. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse. Written by Paris Lee. Artwork by... Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. Mm-hmm.